Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga. Welcome to our new show, Behind Closed Doors. We are going to get up close and intimate with you never know who's going to be sitting at the kitchen table with me. But it's all true, it's all real, and we get down to the nitty gritty about life, love, and all things about intimacy. So come on, let's see who's behind the closed doors. Come on, you guys. We're going to sit in the kitchen. Awesome. So how is everybody? Doing well. Good. Doing well. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, before you sit down, what, what do you guys want to drink? Uh, water, please. Water for me, too. Uh, okay. I'm trying to get my water intake in here. <laughs> okay. Who drinks eight glasses of water a day? You probably oh, my do. Word. No, and I, oh my I, I preach it all the time, but oh, my oh, okay. word. Okay. All right. You'll get my uh, everyday I, tall. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm too short to reach the, reach the Yeti cup, so. Oh. But anyway. Uh, can I put a little ice in the water? Or yes, please. Yeah. 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 I know. Well, I always say you're supposed to drink half your body weight in ounces daily. I'm like, oh my word, I do not quite get enough of that. Well, I should have done the ice first, but yeah. Um, how's your, uh, how's the, uh, the boot camp going? Oh, so fun. Outdoors? Yeah. Yeah. Are you doing it, Matt? Uh, I have not done it this year, no. <laughs> what? I have done it in the past. What? Well then, I know. he left at 5:30 a.m. Yeah. He's not a, oh my God. Okay. I know, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. He's lucky he can get there, right? At 5:30. Yeah. Yeah. And you got Brad. You got Brad coming up, right? Yes, it's coming up. You've already went through Brad, have you not? Um, I well, you know what? With Adam and Garrett, yeah. like they're guys, so it's my biggest worry is, True. did you get a corsage? For your date, <laughs> and so that was it. But, oh uh, my word! Uh, well, no, I have all the things. We got the dress, the tan, the makeup. The, oh we got God. everything swatted. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. How do you? Oh yeah, pictures. Yeah. Oh, everything. How do you do it, Matt? Yeah, with all these females in the house. Um. Yeah, good question. How does he do it? <laughs> what do you? I, I feel like the wife takes care of those details. Yes. Yeah. I, love, yeah, I yeah, just yeah. allow them to be who they are, pretty much. Just yeah. be, yeah. just be, yeah, and you just kind of say, and yeah. just nod, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but what is that feeling, though, like, when you see your daughter, like, all dressed up, she's only 18, but she probably looks 25. Well, yeah. when, yeah, when she's all dressed, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the first time, I don't I had the moment where it was like, okay, we're going dress shopping, and like, I didn't. It, I, I don't think I had emotionally processed that she was actually graduated, and she came out of the dressing room, and I was like, all of a sudden, you see your child, like from a little one, right, like flash through, and I'm like, oh my word, here you are coming out in this beautiful ball gown. I know. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Well, yeah. hey, yeah. I'm just thinking about that for you, Sarah. Yeah. On a personal note, 
seeing your daughter, who she is today, mm -hmm. and flashback to where you were mm -hmm. at that age. Yeah. Kind of tough? Or I feel like she, thankfully, is in a better spot. <laughs> I feel like I was quite in a lot of chaos at that age, where she's, she's so mature and responsible, and she knows what she wants, where I feel like I was floundering, you know, at that age. She's 17. She's graduating, mm -hmm. yeah, like she, oh, her, her birthday falls in November, so. Later one. Yeah. yeah. I feel like where I was to where she is, I think she's, I don't know, I think we both were a bit more, <laughs> would you say, <laughs> age 17? I, I can't yeah, say. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell, but I, I would tend to agree. I think maybe there's a little bit more maturity in her or more... Or even more open communication with yeah, us, too. That's a good point, yeah. There's a, it's a, we have very, it's very open, yeah, mm -hmm. with our kids, so I think that definitely changes the aspect. Totally. When we were teenagers and it was kind of hidden or closed off. Yeah. Or, yeah. So how did you yeah. two meet? Oh my word. We <laughs> met at, I think we were like 16. We both came out of like two um, very structured, um, what, how do we call the schools we came out, out of? Very religious schools. Religious, yeah. private schools. And it was small towns, so they were tiny. They were like... I think in my class at one point it was me and three other guys. That was it. Like <laughs> tiny, oh, tiny, tiny. So we both came out of these schools in grade nine or ten and met in a like a larger. It was still a Christian, like a was it? Yeah, like a Christian school, uh, was, but yeah. a larger one, more like we felt like at that point I was like, oh my gosh, they're like, because I, I had worn uniforms and it was very, and this was like, I get yeah. to wear what I want. It was like, <laughs> it's a big deal. And then he was coming out of a very conservative, small little um, school as well. And that's where we first met. Yeah, he was super like shy. And, like, so what was it about Sarah that you knew? Um, it took him a while. Yeah, I think, I mean, <laughs> the interesting part was we, we were, like, we became friends before we, before we connected on anything deeper, so I would say that was the first thing, was the, was the friendship. Yeah. Like we, yeah. We became acquainted, and we became really good friends, almost best friends, I would say. Mm -hmm. First. For, for quite a while, yeah, where we just would hang out all the time, but there was nothing more than that other than a, than a really genuine friendship, so well. I think that's... On his side, <laughs> I began to journal about him right away. Oh, a journal! <laughs> I journaled. Yeah. Oh, like I was so in love. So we would watch the things I would say as at like 16, whatever. We would hang out all the time, and I would we, I would say, okay, let's watch Dawson's Creek together. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm not watching you. Anyway, Dawson's Creek. And so, but he would be like, okay, fine, I'll watch an episode with you if you'll watch WWF. Oh. Afterwards, oh, wrestling, yeah. Wrestling. Yeah. So we, now yeah. or whatever. Oh. <laughs> so we would watch, and I remember being like, oh, I just like his eyes, and like just like on the couch. So a lot of times I'd be like, so like I'll give you a massage if you want, like no big deal or anything. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just like, oh, someday he's gonna look at me. <laughs> and then now look at this. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of crazy, and and to be that young, and then to know that connection, and connection means a lot to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sarah, everything that you've been through, mm -hmm. uh, how does, yeah, how do you take all of that and make that a reality, 
not a reality, but make, make a life, right? And, and the same for you. So I guess, uh, Sarah, I'd like, first of all, talk a little bit about the, some of the struggles that you had mm-hmm. when you were younger. Well, I mean, I think I didn't know what my struggles were other than I was, I knew that I was very much like kind of screw you and all your rules, mom and dad, and screw all this, the religion stuff, and like I'm going to go out on my own and figure life out, right? Which is, that is beautiful. We need to push, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. has, so I really began to push things, but I threw myself into a lot of, lot of chaos. I would have, I think because when there's just like a belief system rooted in us of a filter system of like I'm unseen or unloved or unworthy, if you have that belief, whether it's true or not, if it exists in here, it's true for you, right? Mm-hmm. And so did my parents love me? Yes. But did I believe they did? No. Did I believe they were there for me? No. And so then I threw myself into all this chaos. And so I think we both would have, in our teenage years, even though we're best friends, we, that was the start of where we both started to like go into hardcore partying and like really kind of getting a taste of this world that we hadn't been a part of. We've been both in very kind of little bubbles, hey? And so all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, the world is that. And so we're just drinking and partying and getting into a lot of stuff. So that ended up with me at age 18 being raped. And I think at that point, I always describe it how I believed my value was outside of me. And I, I had been playing like catch, trying to catch my value. And I believed at age 18 when I was raped, I really believed that my value was like gone forever. Like somebody took it, hucked it in the ocean of pain. And I was like, well, I'm used up. No good. Peace out. Right now. And um, we, at, we were best friends for two years, but then he broke my heart. We were like dated to what, two weeks? Yeah, probably. He broke yeah. my heart. So did you know <laughs> that she was raped? No. Um, no, and this would have been before that. I, we dated before that, but right I wouldn't up. have known that until like after yes. our, we resumed our relationship again in our in our twenties, I guess. Yeah. 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 We separated. We weren't, we weren't uh, in each other's lives <laughs> at that point. When, yeah. So that whole separation point must have been. It was a long time we were separate. a long a yeah. long time and yeah. you were doing your thing mm-hmm. and you were doing yours yeah uh, for you Matt what happened to you in that interim point well for me it was I mean I've, I obviously struggled a lot with with my addictions and and they started even bef- before when we had met but um, I, I had gotten into alcohol and, and I guess from from coming out of uh, I mean there's lots of psychological um, events that can kind of trigger it, but coming out of a, a more sheltered, conservative lifestyle, I, I was struggling to fit in and to and to be confident. And then uh, when I discovered alcohol, it really seemed to be something that that helped with that, and I and I thought it was really a, a benefit. Um, so I quickly started to use more and more of it. Um, and how addiction works, obviously, you start to chase that kind of initial feeling or high, yeah. right? It just yeah. becomes a chase. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was already involved with that when, when our lives were first together when we started to date. Um, and then when our lives, when we, when we grew apart again, as, as Sarah described, I was really, yeah, I just went deeper and deeper into, into the alcohol, drinking, partying, drugs, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, well, like, yeah. and is there a moment or where <coughs> before you hit that rock bottom or what was it for you that 
or was there someone that said pulled you out from well, that? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, like interestingly enough, like when I was really close to my bottom and really struggling is when Sarah came back into my life, really by complete chance, I guess. I mean, I don't fate. really even know. God, fate. How? Yeah, yeah. Really yeah. fate. Yeah. And we started to connect, even though I was extremely unhealthy and in an extremely bad spot. And I did start to open up to you a bit about my struggles because I knew that I was, that what I was doing uh, couldn't last. Like if I continued to to go down that road, it was going to end, and it was going to end. There was no way out um, other than recovery. Uh, I got to stop you there because when we came back into each other's life, I don't think there was an awareness that you had an issue really. Because I remember talking on the phone quite a few times with him because I was in Regina, he was in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. right. And yeah. he would call me very drunk and pour his heart out to me in those moments. And then I started to look up what is alcohol addiction and I would start to Google it. And then I remember pulling up a list and like being like, oh my goodness, I think he does. And then I sent it to you. This might be a blur because you were drunk a lot. Mm -hmm. But I sent it to you, and, and we started to have more of that conversation. So I think that started to maybe... Maybe, yeah. You yeah. started to have a bit of, oh, right? An moment? idea. Yeah. yeah. Like, maybe this is an issue. I mean, well. I definitely wasn't... Even when if people like Sarah mentioned would say things, because mm -hmm. it wasn't... I mean, other people would say things too, like, you drink too much, or you need to slow down, or take it yeah. easy. But that wouldn't... I wouldn't care. relate to that. Or I wouldn't care, right? I was yeah. a very, yeah. in a very reckless kind of self-destructive state. So... If anything, it might have motivated me to just do more, go more, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just to just to be more self-destructive. So yeah. then you guys then got together, mm -hmm. back together. Yeah. You have your story. <laughs> you have your story. How the hell? How the hell? <laughs> right. Do you, or <laughs> is it easier if you're both like at the bottom and you? Uh, I, yeah, like, did you play off each other? Did you? Right. What was it? Yeah, I, I would say so I like play off each other. I think for an al a while it was I became his enabler, definitely. First, I started thinking I'm I'm gonna help him, and then I became just his enabler. We we were now hanging out all the time, and starting I was starting to rediscover. I definitely was thinking oh, I, I kind of feel I was starting to feel what I did years ago in my journal. Mm -hmm. Though I had crossed all that off when he, I was like, I hate you. I'm never gonna. <laughs> all in my journal. And uh, but I think we were, yeah, we weren't good really at that point. We were both being enabling and all those things. But I would say it all kind of came to a head when all of a sudden I realized I'm pregnant. Yeah. And at that point, I knew I made. I immediately made a decision. I am in no way gonna raise my child in a chaos in an environment where mom doesn't know what she wants. And so that's why I really was like, uh, you know, you're out of my life. I got to figure my life out. And I was like, I will be a single mom who is going to raise my child with just a deep faith in creator God, but with the freedom to ex just like in a, in a, a way, different way than I had been raised, but in a stable way. I knew I had to get myself in order and healed and all those things. So I said, see you later, I, and I disappeared out of his life. I said, uh, I'm pregnant, see you later. You're a mess, so am I. We're splitting, like I'm going to do this on my own. And, and she did, you did. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how did that make you feel? Um, at the time, I, I, 
I wasn't at a place where I could really comprehend. Like I remember her telling me she, she was pregnant, and I, and I was it was just very like overwhelming and kind of like um, surreal, I guess, really from where I was at. But I, I do remember her like saying, well, I don't actually remember her saying, but I do remember her like just disappearing. Like kind of one day we were together, the next day she was like gone, um, and and I didn't pursue her. I just it just I just kind of proceeded on, and I definitely. Um, like really regressed probably in that time because I, I do re that was shortly before I I kind of hit a bottom mm -hmm. uh, and for me the, at the, the bottom at that time anyways was really just realizing that I couldn't I couldn't get like I remember actually specifically sitting in a bar and thinking I'm as drunk and high as I as I can possibly be and I still feel depressed I still feel down right like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be having the time of my life but uh, but I, I can't like I can't get messed up enough to, to have fun anymore. So I, that really started to trigger uh, something in me to think, okay, maybe, maybe there is a problem, right? Like I'm not, yeah, I'm not happy, right? I, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to check out. I, I, have, I have had thoughts of suicide at this point and then to think, well, if I can't, if I can't get through this, then I, then I need an out, right. uh, a way to get out. So yeah. when you ha when you come to that low, and I know that both of you have been, um, it's got to be a constant struggle, right? To not fall down into that low again. Or I mean, now now of course yeah. you're at a different, but it it's taken a long process. Mm -hmm. You know, what does that take out of you? I mean, we talk about the process and all the things and the steps mm -hmm. you do, but what does that take out of you, like out of your gut, out of your physical and mental being to get yourself, I guess, better? And that's what we really, yeah, for those of us on the other fence, I'm not saying that, I mean, we've done crap too and, mm -hmm. and shit too, but not necessarily to that low. What is it, you know, I, that's what I'm curious about is like what kind of motivation I guess and what kind of what does it take out of you physically and mentally mm. to get better that's a good question what does it take out of you I, I, do, I think I would switch that to what do you get to give back to Maybe. yourself yeah because yeah. I guess it's all about self-care right yeah and you talk yeah. about it loving yourself mm -hmm. and yeah this is like oh loving your butt I know what does that really mean right and and yeah yeah and I mean I guess for my now what I speak into is like the the greatest form of actually self-love and growth is actually pushing yourself into uncomfortable zones it's not go have a bubble bath. That is not what <laughs> self-love is. The deepest form of self-love is how are you honoring yourself with your value, with your self-talk, with your, how you feed your body, with uh, who you pull into your life, with the boundaries you set, with the willing to work on yourself. That is self-love. That is honoring. And so I, I like your question, but I would flip but it and be yeah. like, we were so depleted and allowing everything to be pulled away from us, right? I don't believe I'm worthy of this, I can't get that. I can't. So it's like we begin to pull back into by going to meetings or therapy mm -hmm. or doing, leaning into the uncomfortable zones, mm -hmm. would you say? It's like it's not easy to walk into a meeting for the first time. That's an uncomfortable zone, but that's where your growth started to happen or 
right? Yeah. Reaching out for help, saying I need help. Yeah. Those are all uncomfortable mm-hmm. things, but that truly to me is what, that's actually what self-love is. Mm-hmm. That is how we start to heal and get better is like, okay. And is it you? Anymore. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, you have to be the one to do the physical thing or is it people that told you that for you what? need for help? Oh. You needed to go to help. I think pe- people obviously told me, like I said, mm-hmm. like would would tell me, but it, but ultimately, until I was ready, yeah, it yeah. wasn't going to happen. I yeah. had to actually be ready. Like mm-hmm. somebody could have physically tied me up, put me <laughs> in, a, you. in a recovery right. pl- uh, place, and if I wasn't ready, I would have just shut down. Yeah, and it would have had yeah. zero effect. Yeah, so I definitely have to be ready, and being ready, being motivated to be ready, is generally a bottom. Um, mm-hmm. But there's other aspects. Like for us, it was was obviously Sarah was pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. So when I hit a bottom, and uh, and I remember hearing uh, early in my very early in my recovery a uh, a story a guy shared about his son that had been so instrumental in his recovery and having that relationship with mm-hmm. it. And Sarah was obviously pregnant, and that's something that really impacted me, right? Because I wanted to get sober, um, and suddenly I had uh, there was an, a motivation there. Not the only, obviously, it's it's not the only motivation, but it was a motivation that 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 comes where I have yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's so interesting. Things to live for. Yeah. yeah. Mm. When did you know that Sarah was raped? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know that I you would have shared that with me until maybe after we were. No, we wouldn't have been married, but probably shortly before we got married. Uh, no, I wouldn't have talked about it. No. No. I think. No, because that was my journey of healing in the later years. Like, I, I guess, well, I should say it in a different way. I, I would have said something happened to me at 18 where something was stolen from me, but I wouldn't have, yeah, that was kind of all yeah. I said. Yeah. I, I was yeah. not able to, within myself, or, or vocalize that it was this ugly truth that I had been raped. I would mm. have said there was this time when something was stolen from me, and I very much, because I was very much in a self-blame loop for years on that, mm-hmm. but... To, to go back, I think to share, you should share the, the what happened like when I went into labor because that was like four days. When I went into labor, yeah. it was four days after your yeah. last relapse ever, right? Yeah. Wow. So you should share about what happened when you went to the chapel or whatever. Yeah, so I mean that really cool ultimately, and, and they talk about recovery uh, a lot and, and I, I mean, I believe in God and, and, they, and they, uh, they talk about a higher power in recovery and people having their spiritual kind of awakening mm-hmm. um, and for me that night when when uh, Asia was born Sarah was in labor at the hospital and, and I was there obviously and, and I had uh, relapsed yeah like three four or four days. days prior so I was I was still really struggling to, to stay sober and I remember walking um, outside of the hospital and then I just had come back in uh, Asia was going to be born kind of any minute I was walking back to the to the room and I walked by this little empty chapel um, the lights were off, but the door was just open. And this was at this time, it would have been really out of character for me, but I felt a little nudge to just go inside the chapel. And so I walked in, and I walked up to the front, and I got down on my knees, and I basically just was uh, begged God to to help me stay sober, because I knew that I that I I could not um, be the dad that I needed to be of any sort unless I stayed sober, and. Uh, and that was the last, I, I've never had a drink since that day. Wow. So that was like a, that was my miracle, I guess. 
Wow. Yeah. Like you didn't have a craving kind of thing. No, it was no, like he this took like away my, definitely took away that All desire. the taste buds, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the smell or yeah. whatever. Still and lots that, of work to be done, but that yeah. actual yes. physical falling off, like yeah. right relapse, um, yeah. was gone. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then, that like, now, two children. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're talking about grad and everything like that. And I, I guess there's a lot of trust, right? Like, there's so much trust in between the two of you coming from, you know, your stories and what you've gone through. Right. And then trying to recover. So how did, how did that all unfold? Because I know that you still were struggling, right, with your own internal because you haven't shared anything with Matt. Right. He's just kind of guessing or thinking, <laughs> right. yeah. what's wrong with me kind of thing. Well, I think both of us, we, even though he came out of his addiction, I came out of, and then after I was raped, I was in a very, very physically, emotionally abusive relationship for three years. And so this is all stuff that I suppressed and didn't deal with. And then we try to, you know, make this marriage work. And he's kind of had suppressed now, like he oh, was, yeah. he was sober, but he wasn't sober. He was, had another hidden yeah. addiction that he hadn't, he wasn't sharing with me. So here we are, you know, doing life and like looking like we were functioning, right? I would say on the surface, going to church, getting our kid, whatever. We have beautiful families, like extended families and stuff. But as far as were we at a level of intimacy or um, trust within each other for the first seven years? Nope, not at all. It was like this surface level um, and we really, we really hit wall after wall after wall. I mean, we did marriage courses. We ran marriage courses even at some points. Um, meanwhile, we're both like carrying this like... Not practicing what you're preaching. Yeah. No, just like such woundedness yeah. inside of us. And like how, if you're sick, if you're, yeah. you know, sick inside, you can't lead well or... And never mind if you are, if you're not able to really truly, as I talked about that self-love thing, how am I supposed to lead others and lead my children and be in an intimate relationship if I'm inside actually beating myself up all the time and like hating myself and self-sabotage mm -hmm. and right? Like it's a, it's, yeah, it's a facade. It was yeah. a facade for seven years. Well, something has yeah. to give. So uh, yeah. like chaos, like Total. every tape, like, like other affairs or like what yeah. kind of chaos? Yeah, I, that, I think that's where the like, it's like the closed door kind of thing where it's like if you're not willing to get honest with yourself, you're not allowing anyone else in, right? And so, I mean, it was very much just like no one had a clue that we really had any issues. And, and I don't know if even think we were admitting to ourselves. So, I mean, it looked like at year seven, me finally being like, I am done. Like, I am checking out. I actually just recently was reminded of, there was this song, do you remember? Okay, it was, uh, say something. Say something, I'm giving up, up on, on you. you. Oh yeah, uh, Christina Aguilera yeah. and... Do, 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 yeah, do, it was do, a big do, one. Do, 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 do. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. so that was right around the time that song came out. I had started, I didn't know, it's like this, my nervous system, everything began to just, over the years of just, just poison really I say like the wounds were like bullets lodged inside so I had these bullets I hadn't dealt with so now I'm my body's been poisoned because I'm not taking care of my wounds mm -hmm. um, and I I didn't see the slow sl I kind of 
I was slowly shutting down, slowly shutting down over the years until it came to remember that song. And I, and I felt this like, say something, I'm giving up on you. And it, it made me have this so much emotion. And what I see now looking back, I would sing it and just be like so sad is I was giving up on two things. I was giving up, I was shutting the door on ever having the life I wanted or the dreams. And so it was almost like me saying to me, say something, I'm giving up on you. Like this just like sadness. So I, not I giving realize up both. on that. Oh, okay. It was like I was shutting down everything all in one. It was like I, it was like the last goodbye, say something, I'm giving up on you. And I wasn't fighting for myself. And like, say something, I'm giving up on you, and there was nothing from him, and so I was like, screw it, I shut everything out of my, like, shut down, and I was like, our marriage is done, I'm choosing to leave our marriage, I had another opportunity with another man who presented itself, and I was like, you know what, I'm not getting the life I wanted, um, I'm a screw up, I was going to screw up my kids and my marriage anyway, I might as well go out having a little fun, and uh, I was like, I'm done. And so I, I, I decided in my head, I'm not going to tell him. I'm just going to go pursue it. There was no intimacy in our marriage anyway. I'm going to pursue it. And I'll see how long it takes him to notice anything. And when he asks me, I'll tell him. And then our marriage will be over. That's, that, that was, was my plan. plan. That was yeah. my, mm-hmm. okay. Um, and, you know, everyone's going to hate me. Oh, well. It was such a vicious cycle of negative self-talk. Of you're just not, you're, you're. You're not worth no. anything, just go out and do it, whatever. And I really became someone I hated. Like, I, I became someone that could do this in my marriage. I had never thought I could be like someone another to person. Do this, right? And you probably noticed, or no? Yeah. Or uh, you had already checked out. For a while, because I, che- <laughs> I was pretty checked out. And I know, like Sarah mentioned, I, I, like, I had remained sober from alcohol mm-hmm. and drugs, um, but pornography had definitely become uh, an addiction, another addiction for me. Um, or something that mm-hmm. I had switched to, I guess, in my addictions, because I hadn't really fully recovered. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Stopped, yeah. uh, stopped my Healed. recovery. Yeah. Healed. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, so I would say at that point we were so distant that it, I mean, eventually I noticed, but it probably took, took a month time. or two months or whatever it would have been before I would have noticed something's not something's right. Something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, something's not right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And crazy. And, and Asia. And all of this, right? And and her son, Judah. and your son. Yeah, oh, yeah they were older. They were yeah. in the mix yeah. now. And I mean, you you didn't share, but that was an addiction you hid from me, so I didn't know. Correct. Yes. He was yeah. hiding this addiction, yeah. and I mean, it be, it was becoming very like he wouldn't be in bed. It would be 3 a.m. I would be like, where is he? Like he was just so distant and very um, irritable at me all the time, just like yeah. biting at me, angry at me. Um, uh, I mean, now it yeah. all made sense when it all came out. Yeah. But um, so it took him a couple months, and finally, I guess whatever you thought, what's going on? But like it was, we well, were so distant already. Yeah, there's it nothing. To, I mean, especially with something like pornography, that the, there's no like you're incapable of really being involved in actual intimacy. So there was no intimacy in our in our life. So when there's no intimacy and it's a very casual mm-hmm. acquaintance, almost at that point, it takes a long time for you to figure out something is wrong, right? Right. So, I mean, your friends can kind of be distanced for a long time before you say, hey, what's up? Kind of yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And then, okay, so <laughs> in all of this mess... <laughs> Welcome to our mess. <laughs> how do you find what you have now? Oh, my word. How long do we have here? 
I'm gonna get some water. So you guys keep talking though. Oh, I mean, the story. The story sounds like okay. We need to do a movie on this. Oh yeah, we could do a movie on this. Um, but, jeez. But you know what, you guys like. How many other couples are out there mm -hmm. that are going through the same yeah. shit that you yeah. guys are doing? You yeah. know, maybe it's not not rape and it's not you know drugs and addiction, but it, it's still yeah. stuff yeah. that you keep down. Yeah, it's that lack of intimacy, right? Like, yes. I feel like so many relationships now that we <clears throat> would mentor others or we're so open about speaking about ours it almost gives other people permission to be like, oh, okay, yeah. us too. Like, it's, you know, we haven't had like sex that. in years. We haven't, it's like that conversation for some reason seems to remain very hidden as mm -hmm. intimacy and struggling with intimacy. You know, maybe, maybe you have been in trauma and you have to work through the triggers and, and releasing and regulating the nervous system. You know, that sort of stuff came, oh man, yeah, such a long, that's, <laughs> so when everything exploded, that like we finally told each other at the same yeah. time. And I mean, that was like the rub, rug ripped out from under both of us at the same time. Because he, yeah. here he is telling me and I'm telling him, we're like, holy, right? So it was like, explosion and I mean my plan was our marriage is over like I hate yeah. him I, yeah. I would have said I hate him like I would mm -hmm. have said I have zero respect I hate who he is I'm I'm done um but that's where like he had had this like not audible voice but it was like God like God like so ahead a hold of you that day yeah and I, that was where you like pretty much had a whole transformative experience well, from like that day on so you right? weren't yeah. ready to quit you no, aren't. no, like when I, when I found out, um, and even maybe a little bit before, because I, I, I realized I, I, I hit a bottom, I guess, again, another bottom, <laughs> another right? Bottom. So, yeah. so you, again, <laughs> I had a <the> spiritual <laughs> awakening, um, but this time I really realized kind of like I, I, just, I just had a lot of clarity all of a sudden, and, and mm -hmm. I really heard um, God challenge me to, to kind of, if, if I'm going to take this path of recovery, it's going to be everything. Right and, and becoming a um, a man of integrity, a man of honor, uh, loving my wife, uh, all these things. Um, because the other way that I was going was again, I, I knew I had I had uh, gone down another road of addiction, which I already knew where those roads would lead. Um, so I really became challenged, or I became willing to to recover and to do whatever it took. And at that point, I realized that meant uh, a total transformation. I would have to kind of change everything. Uh, so it meant pursuing my marriage that was seemingly, at that point I, I, I guess it wasn't even, to me it was irrelevant if it was over or not. It was like, if, in order for me to change, I have to, to do the right thing. Right. And if our mm -hmm. marriage is over, the, it was almost like the ultimate goal wasn't necessarily, this is gonna sound a bit weird, but wasn't ultimately to save the marriage, but the, I knew that if I was gonna get healthy uh -huh. and, and mm -hmm. change, that that was part of the process. Uh, of being, being someone man. that would, yeah, being a man of honor and pursuing yeah. my wife and, and loving my kids and, and uh, even if it was... Well, unconditional love, up. right? I would bring that Correct, up. yeah, unconditional love, I guess, is what you would call it, yeah, yeah. 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 Learning what that is. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I think that's what you shared was like, 
you felt challenged all of a sudden to learn yes. what does actually unconditional love look like? And I remember him saying, like, um, I am never going to um, <clears throat> uh, hold you account, like, not, I'm not going to, I take responsibility as a man from this day forward as far as I should have been there for you in a uh, supportive, protective way as your husband, and I wasn't. I left mm -hmm. you, I left the kids, and so I'm going to just from this day forward do the right thing, even though you have made a decision to leave me, I still am going to do the right thing from now on. And so that right thing for him for the, for the next months was pursuing me and, and being very just like, he, he, he started to do everything like as far as accountability, meetings, mentorship, mm -hmm. I mean, day in, day out, you were on the phone to a mentor, out to meetings, reading on unconditional love and all these things. He just, he literally, and then he would get up and take the kids to church. I would be like, okay, whatever. Like, how long this facade? Like, nice try getting me back. But he's like, no, I'm not doing it to get you back. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. Like, I just, so he'd leave me notes around the house. I remember a big one was he'd take, um, a dry erase marker and every morning he, my coffee cup was by the coffee machine and he would have written a little note on mm -hmm. my mug like just want you to know you look you know your eyes I love your eyes or you're an incredible mom just like little erase messages on my coffee cup so he would start doing all these things it was like not who he if would have ever either. been <laughs> um, sometimes I remember even one on the steering wheel I went out there was a little note on the steering wheel he would bring roses home he was just very much and I'm like I am so, remember I said that song, yeah. I had given up, I was so shut down and hard and bitter and angry, so he's doing this while I'm just like, screw you, nice try, what are you doing, what are those notes, I don't, like, no, like, I remember he said, uh, he brought roses home or something, and you gave them to me, I'm like, what are those for, and he's like, just, just for you, and then I was like, you're going to give up long before you ever get through to me what I said to him I mean clearly he got through to me <laughs> so that, but uh, he just yeah that that was a quite a long process before before I decided to do my own transformative healing journey probably yes. a for sure three months or more wow that, that was that persistent he, um, yeah and you still are today doing the meetings and yeah yeah everything too. yeah like it was well it's always it's always yeah it's yeah there's, it's mean, work it's work, and it's, mm -hmm. I think at the beginning you were earlier you mentioned about how much it how much it takes out of you. And, yeah. And uh, I mean, it does take a lot out of you to to go all in on recovery and all in on on transformation. But it's mm -hmm. really about find, like for me, it, the biggest thing was about just connecting with other people that that I could relate to. Yeah. Uh, like recovery groups, men's groups, and and then just um, learning to to live in in connection and intimacy with with those people right and to say hey this is how my day is going or whatever being open and honest and being completely transparent and vulnerable mm -hmm. and them listening and them them sharing and all of a sudden it's like okay i, I guess i'm not actually alone right yeah. i'm not the only person in the world that's struggling like this mm -hmm. or at yeah. the end of my line there's there's other people too right and they're all here to to help me and, and in time and recovery uh i can help them too yeah what's other that people. saying you say in order to you have it. to the the yeah the the saying in recovery goes um, in order for me to keep this gift of sobriety, uh, I actually have to give it away. Okay, so mm -hmm. in service yeah. to others. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, 
And I mean, even the intimacy, learning intimacy, it's like he first learned intimacy outside of within our relationship, right? He began to yes. learn intimacy with, and you said like the first time your sponsor gave you a hug, like I remember you mm-hmm. shared how that was such a big moment because I, like just intimacy as far as men, yeah. hugging it, like, oh, like that was like so foreign. It's, you know, physical yeah. or just letting yeah. your emotions go. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, we need to talk too about what kind of people you let into your lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, when you're, when you're that low, yeah. like yeah. all the different people that you know, that, mm-hmm. but then also the people that you want in your lives now. Right. May yeah. not have been the same people, right, that you thought when you were 17 or 18. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and that's, that's another totally interesting conversation because yeah. it... it I mean, to learn your story and to hear and then to see you two, it's pretty bleeping amazing. It is. I remember actually a very powerful moment because, okay, so then it took me a while to catch up. And finally, you know, my moment was like, a, I call it like the great release. And I, I mean, yeah, we're, we're skipping over a lot, but like he really did pursue me. Actually, I don't think I can skip over this moment because it's mm-hmm. very powerful of what unconditional love looks like. Mm-hmm because he was just doing it because he felt he was supposed to and I was so hard and shut down. I, I describe it now like I felt like it was, you know when your kid has a temper tantrum and it's because they're hurt. It's because, it's not, that's just, there's a deep root issue. Something's going on. They're lashing out all of a sudden unexpectedly. It's, there's a deep root issue and so I didn't even realize what all my deep rooted issues were. I just knew I was angry and I hated the world. Well underneath is this hurt 18-year-old, 5-year-old who believed she was unseen, 8-year-old who had been raped, all these, this, right, all this woundedness, yet I'm coming out like, ah, screw yeah. everybody, right? So, and he had been pursuing me, and one night I remember I said, you know what, because in my head I'm like, he's, this is too good to be true, he's just going to leave me, like, I'm going to mm-hmm. call it right now, like, I don't want to get my hopes up, and then one day he's actually going to say, oops, ha joke's on you, I'm not actually changing at all, and go back to who he was before, mm-hmm. and so I remember just being like, I'm going to, I know what I'm going to do, and so I said, you know what, you know what I'm doing tonight, Matt, I'm going to go out with that other guy tonight, and you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to go upstairs, I'm going to make myself look so dang good, and I'm going to come downstairs, and you're going to watch me looking so good going out the door, and you know who I'm going out with, and he, he just quietly, you know, okay. And so I went up, got all done up, came down with my heels, looking fine. And uh, I remember looking at him and being so, like, just like, he's gonna, this is going to push him out. Like, he's going to be out the door. And I remember just being like, hmm. see you later. And just like, if daggers, right, my eyes just like, Ugh. and walked out, got in the car, you know, headed off. And all of a sudden I got this, like, ding on my phone. And I knew it was a text from him. And so when I had a chance, I pulled it up, and the text said, Dear Sarah, it was like a text, but it was kind of like a letter. Dear Sarah, I just want you to know how absolutely beautiful you look tonight. And I'm always on your side. Love, Matt. Okay, I need some more water. Mm -hmm. All right. Holy girl. Right? Too good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ah. Story can one... continue. Oh, my word. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This is before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.